Disclaimer, this podcast was recorded one week before the World Cup started, meaning the predictions made in this podcast were made assuming Julen Lopetegui would be the manager of Spain. Esteban Bailey now believes that Spain's chances of winning the World Cup are much less without Lopetegui as manager. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to the Top Flight Podcast final World Cup preview for Russia 2018. My name is Esteban Bailey and I'm joined today with Ori Benatar. How you doing, Ori? I'm doing really good, Esteban. Can't wait for the World Cup to get started. We're one day away till the opening game. I'm excited. It's going to be a great tournament, or hopefully. Now, for this show, we're going to be going over a lot of topics and give our final predictions for the tournament. However, before that, let's talk a little bit about our feelings heading into the games. This is the first World Cup being held in Russia slash Eastern Europe, and it's kind of a strange venue. Russia received this tournament on the same day that Qatar was infamously awarded the 2022 World Cup. Um, Now, it won't surprise anyone, but Russia is an autocratic state, and it seems kind of weird for FIFA to provide a kind of generous view to the country. But this is not the first time FIFA has staged the tournament in repressive regimes. Like, they did it in Italy in 1934, when they were under Mussolini, and in Argentina in 1978. there's also been a lot of reports of homophobia, and there's a lot of you know laws in Russia that are really against um, uh, LGBTQ communities. There's also a lot of you know worry about potential racism in this uh, tournament. I mean, Danny Rose, you know, doesn't even want his from England doesn't even want his family to go to Russia for fear that they're going to be racially abused. Now, all this kind of background noise and news is kind of sapped my excitement for the tournament, at least from where it's being staged, because. On just a fun level, this is not as interesting of a location as South Africa in 2010 or Brazil in 2014. Now, what do you think about the World Cup being staged uh, in Russia this year, Ori? Well, I mean, seeing what the Russian fans are doing at the European Championships in 2016 got me a little more concerned about this World Cup because, uh, as you, if, if you may or may not know, Russia played England in the opening game. And uh, right at the end of the game, after Russia tied England with a late goal, there was a lot of fighting between the fans, and it was it was really rough. And there were reports that came out about uh, Russian fans being encouraged to be more, you know, be more hooligans and go a little bit uh, excessive with the craziness. So that part definitely worries me. Obviously, Russia being uh, the country that they are, it's that that part is concerning. In two thousand and nine, I thought, okay, Russia's a big enough country; they have a decent amount of stadiums. You know, they could probably host the World Cup. I mean, they could host the World Cup. Qatar cannot host a World Cup for in for any reason. But no. I think it was I think it was just more surprising that, you know, Russia was given their first World Cup before England was given a chance to host their second. I think the fact that England has not hosted a second World Cup is is crazy because hosted in 1966, they were successful winning the tournament there. And England doesn't have to build any infrastructure. They have, you know, plenty of stadiums to host games. So in 2009, I remember I was in Washington, D.C. in my eighth grade class trip, and I remember hearing the news about Russia. My dad texted me, and I'm like, okay, Russia, fine. And then I heard Qatar over the U.S. I'm like, what? Qatar? So part yeah, of me is a little concerned. Really crazy. Yeah. yeah, part yeah. of me is concerned about it, but as long as the games are good, that will probably overshadow all of the, the fan action that could be happening in the sermon. I just hope everything is peaceful and everything goes smoothly. Yeah, that's what we're all hoping for, that it's just a smooth sailing tournament, even if it's not in the best venue. And hopefully uh, it can be more similar to previous World Cups and not like some of the more violent ones like in Chile or in Argentina. But 
you know, let's not forget that there's other news going with this World Cup. It's also the first time in the World Cup setting that we're going to have VAR or Video Assistant Replay. It was tested last year uh, in the Confederation Cup, but which there was a very interesting kind of use of it in the Chile-Cameroon game, if I remember correctly, where several goals were either disallowed or allowed because of the use of VAR, and there was a lot of confusion being held around it. Certain leagues around the world, such as MLS and the Bundesliga, and I think Serie A is starting to use it, have VAR, and they've been testing it. And there's this is the go-ahead. It's going to happen. They're going to use VAR for this World Cup. And I just want to, you know, let's, I want everyone to be clear, including myself, because I wanted to do some research on, you know, what does VAR mean? What are What is it going to be used for? I went onto the website. Here are the four things that uh, VAR can only be used for. So, and this is from the website. Whether there was an infringement, that means a goal should not be allowed, such as offsides, handballs, etc. Number two, penalty decisions to ensure that no clearly wrong decisions are made in conjunction with the award or non-award of a penalty kick. You know, that seems pretty self-explanatory, whether there's a foul in the box, whether there wasn't a foul, handball, etc. Uh, direct red card decisions, not yellow card decisions, only red card decisions. If there is a direct red card that comes out, uh, that can be reviewed by VAR and that can either be taken away and it's not a red card anymore or lessened to a yellow card or the person is actually uh, ejected. And the last one is mistaken identity. Just in case the referee accidentally gives a red card to a player that it was supposed to be for another one. We've seen this in the World Cup before. It seems like a, you know, a good use of that system. Now, what do you think about VAR and its potential in this tournament? So if, it, if the refs are cautious with it and use it carefully... It can work really well. I actually was able. I actually was able to write uh, a final paper, like nice long ten-page final paper for a sports PR class this past semester at uh, the University of Illinois. Go Illini! Uh, I wrote about VAR, and the conclusion that I came to was that I felt like FIFA needed to test it out a little bit more. If you want something that's this massive of a change for the game. I think it needed to go through a more rigorous testing phase. You know, this is only the second major FIFA tournament that they're using VAR. It wasn't used at the European Championships. It wasn't used at the World Cup in 2014. They had it at the Confederations Cup. I feel that a change like this needs at least two to three years to test out, to see the, the problems with it, to see if refs can get used to it. And right now, I just don't think that refs are very used to it quite yet. I mean, they have a separate referee in the room watching the the entire game, and if they get to a call that requires VAR, it's used. So it's a very similar case to, you know, some of the baseball rules that are changing in terms of time and all that stuff because people want to still be purists with, with football. They want to have that, you know, human interaction between the refs and the players and have the humans make the decisions and not go to a computer to get things right. But my personal opinion is, is we should use technology to our advantage. If we're, if a call gets wrong and we've seen a lot of calls get wrong in the world cup and in soccer for decades, because there's a lot of refs that don't do their jobs right. You know, handballs are tough to call on the spot. Uh, offside is really hard to call on the spot. So I think if they use it carefully and cautiously, VAR can be successful, but we know that they miss one bad call with VAR. They look at VAR, they overturn something that is the incorrect call, or, you know, they just don't see it through VAR. Everyone's going to bash it and complain about it. And I hope that VAR isn't as big of a story by July 15th as it is a week before or one day before the tournament. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned about it just because, you know, I think it's also because I'm a little afraid of, you, 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 people get afraid when there's new technologies or new stuff like that. Like, um, 
I remember goal line technology was a kind of a big talking point, especially after the 2010 World Cup when England was not given that a goal against Germany. I think obviously goal line technology was useful then. It was necessary then, but they just didn't, you know, and it was simple. I don't know why people were so argumentative towards it, but VAR is kind of a different story. I'm curious about it because offsides are still incredibly hard to call, even when you have video replay. And I do think that there are going to be some missed calls here. I'm not really, I've been watching some of the FIFA.com kind of, uh, propaganda tools too, or, you know, as I call it, where they're talking about, uh, where they show how the video assistant replays are, are like being conducted, how are they training their referees and all this kind of stuff. But there's always these moments in the world cup where it's just such a massive tournament. You have so many people and so many moving parts that there's going to be a mistake. And I'm just worried that it could be such a catastrophic mistake for a specific team or something like that. Although, VAR introduces this new unpredictable element that could help a young, like an underdog team in this tournament. We've seen in the past that bigger teams like Germany, Brazil, uh, Portugal, Argentina, they've all gotten the, even England, uh, have gotten the benefit of the doubt with wrong calls that have helped them win their respective tournaments that they were in. I mean, if the VAR existed during the hand of God, I don't think. Uh, Maradona would not have been given that goal. So, oh, I mean, definitely not. Yeah, so it's an interesting kind of, like, hmm, what, what's going to happen? Uh, are we going to get every correct call? Is there going to be such a massive controversy with it? I'm very curious to see, but honestly, like, that's one of the biggest things uh, I'm looking at in this tournament since the U.S. isn't in it. I just want to know if this system can work. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relay just as, you know, we have time. So I want to talk about my experience with VAR as a fan. I remember VAR being used in the MLS playoffs. I'm a New York City uh, football club supporter. They were playing the Columbus Crew. They, <laughs> there was an elbow in the box. It seemed inadvertent, although upon replay, it kind of looked like he was actually aiming with his uh, elbow to hit one of the Columbus Crew's defenders in the head. And they went to VAR, and they gave him a red card, and it completely changed the tie. And NYCFC was then dumped out of the first round of the playoffs. Um, and that was really frustrating as a fan because one red card decision from VAR completely changed the complexion of the game. And it also, as a fan, since I didn't really know the rules of VAR, it made me question why they couldn't go back on some other fouls that the opposing team was committing on my team. And it just, it was really frustrating. And there wasn't a lot, like, they don't tell you in the stadiums what's going on, like, why they get the red card, you know? They just, they do their little symbol, and that's, and they come up with a decision, and that's it. Um, I'm hopeful that there's going to be some transparency. I'm hopeful that at least there won't be any violence in the stands because people are confused by the, you know, the decisions. But we'll see. It, it, it is a real big talking point that I, I'm really looking towards. Yeah, it's too bad the crew uh, lost to Toronto in those conference finals. So I'm a crew fan. Um, not looking forward to when the team moves. I'm very confident that I think they were, they are going to move. I really hope they don't, but I hope. And hey, hey, hashtag save the crew. I hope they stay too. I don't. I'm not a fan of the crew, but I think it's wrong to move teams like that. You Please. should just. You're doing expansions. All right, so let's move on to uh, the like. We're going to do some squad updates. So we've been doing these preview podcasts for the last month or so. Uh, but we finally have all final 23 squad rosters, and I just want to go over some of the notable additions, subtractions, and some stuff that uh, we may have missed in our preview shows for each team, which you should all go listen to. So I think the biggest news, and I definitely want to get your thoughts on this, is Leroy Sonnet, the Premier League Young Player of the Year, a champion with Manchester City, an incredible season, was left off the German national team, basically for uh, Julian Brandt, uh, who I think plays for Dortmund. Um, what a what a what a surprise! What a snub! What do you think? Oh about yeah, that? 
That's a big snub. Uh, Julian Brandt actually plays for uh, Bayer Leverkusen. He's already Bayer played Leverkusen. 15 caps for Germany. I mean, I was seeing multiple stories say about how Leroy Sané doesn't really fit the system of Yogi Love because Love doesn't play as uh, forward and precise with his offense as Pep Guardiola does for Manchester City. But still, I mean, for a guy like Leroy Sané, who young player of the year, had the season of his life, why not take him? I mean, it's not, you know, Germany already has all these young stars, and I don't understand why Sané didn't make the team. Sané could have been a great super sub for Germany because now I'm looking at this Germany team. You know, you think of the starting lineup on offense. You've got probably Thomas Muller. You've got Mesut Ozil. Uh, Marco Royce should start at the left wing. Timo Werner may be starting at the striker with Muller playing sort of as that attacking midfielder. And then you're looking at the options off of the bench. You have Mario Gomez, 32, a very seasoned goal scorer for Germany. He scores in big tournaments for them, more specifically the European Championships. Um, and then other offensive subs, you have Julian Brandt. Uh, he's a midfielder mainly. And then other than that, you just don't have that much else. And that's the thing that could that could hurt Germany and their chances of repeating as world champions. They don't have that sub off the bench as a super sub, maybe to come on and score a goal. If you're depending on Mario Gomez, who is a, just a classic striker, doesn't have much pace on him, seeing as he's 32, he might not be able to score a big uh, substitute goal in like a, a round of 16 or a quarterfinal game. Whereas Leroy Sané has the speed to get by fat, faster defenders, which Germany would be facing in the round of 16 or in the quarterfinals compared to what they're facing in their group. So I, I just don't understand the decision by Yogi Love. It, you know, he might not work in his system, but I would have taken him. He's a good super sub to have. You need to have those super subs in the World Cup because you've got 23 guys. You're playing for Germany. You're playing usually at least seven games in the tournament in a month span. That's 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 a lot of games in such a short span of time. You need as much squad depth as you can, and you need as much stamina as possible. I think Sané would have helped that. Yeah, and I mean, this is a German team that's basically going to be depending on Marco Royce to really lead the left side of the attack, him and Draxler. But, you know, Draxler didn't have a great season at PSG, and Royce, well, he's injury prone, and maybe he could... He was supposed to be at the 2014 World Cup, but he got injured right beforehand. What if that happens again in one of the group stages? I mean, Sweden's a tough tackling team. Mexico's tough tackling. I mean, you never know what could happen. And if you're depending on a player who's kind of, you know, he gets hurt a lot, it could be a problem. And Sané is like a perfect replacement for him. But let's go, let's move on with some other players or some other teams. Uh, Paulo Guerrero, the captain and striker of Peru, he was not supposed to make it to the squad because of a FIFA ruled against, uh, they banned him for a year because he had a, uh, he was found with cocaine in his system during a drug test. Uh, he claimed that it was because of a tea he was drinking in Peru, whether that's true or not is beside the point because a judge in Switzerland ruled in his favor, and now the ban has been upli uh, uh, lifted. He's now playing for Peru. He's going to star for them. He's going to be their captain, and that's huge news for Peru. I mean, he is their star player. Not only is he their star player, he's their greatest ever goal scorer. He has the most goals in Peruvian national team history, and now it changes the dynamics of Group B entirely. Beforehand... You know, they're playing in a not-so-hard group, but they didn't really have the attacking talent to maybe match up against Denmark. But now, with Paulo Guerrero, who is a very talented striker who plays in Brazil, he really could elevate this team to a second-place finish in a pretty easy group. So I'm very interested about that. And one more before uh, I let get your thoughts on all this is I made a big deal in the Japan preview about Takuma Asano. He's a Arsenal baloney. He's playing in Germany. He's Japanese. He played at the Olympics, and he had a couple goals in the group stage, which got a lot of people excited. However, 
while he was included in the 25-man provisional roster, he was one of the final two cuts, and he's not going to the World Cup. So I, I, I got to do a mea culpa on that because clearly, like, Japan doesn't see value for him, and I thought he was going to be an X factor for the team, and it kind of lessens my enthusiasm for the Japanese national team. But what do you think about some of the other... Do you have any other roster decisions or final 23 thoughts? Well, I definitely think that the omissions for the French squad just give us so much proof of how good they can be in this tournament and how their second 11, or even the guys that didn't go to the World Cup with France, could make it to the semifinals. I mean, you don't have Karim Benzema, who was their best goal scorer in 2014. You don't have Anthony Martial... He had a, you know, had an AS season with Manchester United. Not terrible, but you know, not his best season. You know, preferred by uh, Didier Deschamps. He wanted Thomas Lamarck, obviously killing Mbappe, Usman Dembele making the team. You know, and you also don't have Alexandre Lacazette, the new Arsenal striker, who had a good start to the season, hit some rough patches in there with the Gunners, but overall a very good striker. <laughs> In favor of the likes of, you know, you have Olivier Giroud probably going to be starting. Florian Thalvin, who played for Marseille, had a great season. Nabil Fakir had a great season with Lyon. So a lot of French League players on this France team. I didn't expect to see this many um, Ligue 1 players on the France team. So those omissions definitely were surprising. I think I think taking uh, lack of, not taking Lacazette is confusing because now you're looking at the striker options for France and... The only one that I really see as a pure striker is Olivier Giroud. Mbappe and Griezmann can play up front there, but Griezmann's going to play the attacking midfield role. Mbappe's probably going to play on the right. Lamar will be playing on the left. Fakir is more of an attacking midfielder. He could probably do a job at striker, but you don't have a pure striker on the bench now without Alexandre Lacazette. But I think it doesn't matter for France. They still have maybe the best 23-man roster going to the World Cup in Russia. But yeah, other than that, most of the squads looked about right. I thought Gareth Southgate picked a good squad for England. You know, not too many omissions there that I that I wouldn't have had. Brazil's squad looks excellent. You know, the great depth at striker. But just a lot of interesting players that are going to this World Cup. But a lot of players that we're used to seeing that are not going to be there because of no United States and no Holland and no Italy and no Chile even. So most of the squads look pretty good to me, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, You know, the Lacazette thing is interesting because I also think he would have been perfect for this kind of squad because Lacazette is at his best when he's poaching, when he's finishing, when he's in the position where everybody gives him the the ball where he can just finish in the box. And clearly as a sub option, he would have been pretty good because by the end of the game, everybody's just going to be trying to get the ball in the box. And him and Griezmann would have been an excellent partnership by the 75th minute. But c'est la vie. You know, the French national team is incredible with their talent. We'll see if they're able to pull it together. But you know what? Before we get into uh, some of the favorites and some other stuff, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to go over some dark horse candidates who we think is going to win the well, some favorites to win the World Cup and who you should root for in this tournament if your country is not in it. All right, welcome back. Let's go over some favorites in this tournament. Now, I think you and I can agree that there are about six teams that can have a realistic chance of winning this tournament. Uh, you know, it's like Brazil, Germany, Spain, France, Argentina, Belgium. You know, I think those are the, the six. Now, Ori, why don't you tell me who you think, give me your two top, your top two favorites for this tournament. I would say my top two favorites are Germany and France. The only reason I'm not putting Brazil as one of my top two favorites is the lack of big tournament experience. Brazil is bringing a very new team, 
very different to what we saw at the World Cup when they hosted it four years ago. Gabriel Jesus, Douglas Costa, Felipe Coutinho, a lot, Roberto Firmino, a lot of players on this Brazil team who haven't appeared in a big tournament for them. Now, some of these guys were on the squad at the Copa America Centenario, which, by the way, Brazil didn't even make it out of the group stage in that tournament after a, a controversial handball goal from Peru oh, yeah. in their that, last that was group a- game. Yeah, that was very crazy, but yeah, continue. Very, very insane, but that's the only reason I'm not including Brazil as my top two favorites is because of the lack of tournament experience, whereas with Germany, under Yogi Love, Germany has never missed a major tournament semifinal. Germany will make the semifinals. That's a guarantee almost every tournament. It's inevitable, and the team has the World Cup experience. They're bringing back a lot of players that helped win them the tournament. Thomas Muller, Mesut Ozil. Um, you know, you have Jerome Boateng, who really sh- he shined in that tournament. Of course, Manuel Neuer, the captain, who is finally back playing in goal. And I put France in there is because I believe France have the best 23-man roster in the tournament, and Didier Deschamps has really given them the discipline. And under Didier Deschamps, France has done really well. France wasn't expected to be that good of a team in the World Cup in 2014. They got to the quarterfinals, and they performed really, really well. Granted, they had a pretty easy schedule to get to the, to the quarterfinal, only to lose to Germany. But And then at the European Championships, when they hosted, they played really well, too, getting some big wins. They beat Germany in the semifinal in that tournament. Also had a bit of a of a rope of an easy ride to get to that point. But I think this French team is ready and they have the discipline. And I think the key for them is the fact that they have Paul Pogba and N'Golo Kante in their midfield. N'Golo Kante can do all the dirty work while Paul Pogba can do what he prefers to do and attack. Something that he does he he doesn't have the freedom to do as much at Manchester United because he does have to play that defensive role, which I think he plays well on his regular day, but now he can attack a little bit more with N'Golo Kante and the team. Kante being I think the best box-to-box midfielder, defensive midfielder in the world. So Germany, France are my top two favorites. Um, I'm going to go with Brazil and Spain. Now, I think I, I think those are all great points, but I do think that Brazil actually has the most talented 23-man roster in this tournament. I mean, their front three is devastating, and that's not even including, you know, you have Neymar, you have Willian, you have Coutinho, you have Gabriel Jesus, Bobby Firmino, Douglas Costa. I mean, those players are devastating on their day, and together they make a really fluid front line. And they, what I like about this Brazil team is that they have a very clear set. They know what they want to do. They want to make sure that they're defensively sound with Casemiro, who's maybe the second-best defensive midfielder in the world, behind N'Golo Conte and a very tough back line of, you know, Thiago Silva or Marquinhos or Miranda like that. Those are really, really strong center backs, but that can also play it from the back. And then you have incredible wing backs slash full backs with Marcelo and even Danilo, who maybe didn't have the best season at Manchester City, but he does have attacking talent. And then you have Fagner, who can is a good backup. He could probably provide some defensive width. But and then I, I, I just think that this Brazil team, even though they're inexperienced, and they have a lot of pressure on them to do something at this tournament, I think they're well-equipped to do so. This is a way more talented team than the uh, 2014 World Cup team that made it to the semifinals, Uh, even though they lost 7-1. I mean, they did make the semifinals. I think that this team has all the tools to make it to the final, and they could really, really do something at this tournament. And the other team, Spain, I think... Spain has had a couple, you know, a couple rough years. 2014 was a disappointment. They didn't even get out of the group stage. Uh, 2016 was also kind of a disappointment, but that was the end of the, you know, that was basically the end of the Bosque's reign as a Spain manager. They lost to Croatia, and then they lost to Italy in the uh, knockout stages. Hasn't been a great couple of years, but they were unbelievable in qualification. They have a, they have a new coach who has implemented a slightly different style of play which is still possession based but it's also counter pressing it's about 
being the primary uh, protagonist for every game you're in. If you have the, if you don't have the ball, then you get that ball back. It's it's really it's actually really nice to see that on the international stage. And I think the Spanish team has the the greatest collection of midfield talent in this tournament. I mean, you have Isco, David Silva, Iniesta, Coque, uh, Saul, yeah, Asensio on the bench, Vasquez. I mean, it's incredible. Ed Busquets, it's an incredible collection of talent in the middle. And while there are some concerns about their striking force with Diego Costa and Rodrigo and Iago Aspas, I don't think it's going to matter because all they need is to score one goal and they can move on because that's what they did in the 2010 World Cup. A lot of people like to think that Spain was just, they dominated every game, but they usually won one nothing because they had the ball the entire time, and it was hard for the other team to even get a, a chance on target. So I think this is a tournament where they reestablish themselves as a global superpower in the game, and I'm really excited to see them play because there's one thing that you're never going to have with a Spanish game. It's never going to be boring because they, even though they may have all the possession, there's going to be a lot of drama at some point. So that's great with our favorites. No love for Argentina or Belgium, I see. No, no love for Argentina. Um, I don't think Belgium is ready yet to to take that next step forward. I still think they'll get knocked out in the quarterfinals. I think Euro 2020, though, will be the time for Belgium to shine. I think they have a really legitimate chance to win that tournament. I don't know. It seems like this might be their last chance with all their players in their prime. I mean, company, I mean, he's already, he might be hurt for this tournament, but company, this is probably his last tournament. Uh, Everybody's kind of getting into that age where they might hit their prime, but they also might fall off it. I'm not sure. This might be, to me, uh, this might be their last chance to do anything on a Ah. world stage. I don't know because, I mean, Kevin De Bruyne's uh, look at Euro 2020. De Bruyne's going to be 28. Lukaku's going to be 27. Hazard's going to be 29. So there's your three core players, all still under the age of 30. It's incredible. And by the time they go to Qatar in 2022, in November, December, in the middle of their club seasons, which doesn't make any sense, they're all they're going to be barely over 30 or just under 30. So, And Thibaut Courtois, their starting goalkeeper, he's only 26. He's going to be 28 in two years. They have got plenty of time to win some tournaments. I think... We'll within see. the next ten, within the next ten years, Belgium wins at least a World Cup or a European Championship. I would put more money on the fact that they would win a European Championship. I think Euro twenty twenty, they can take it all. We'll see. That's what they said about England, and they never did anything. But let's let's say, but Argentina, no chance for Argentina, not with Messi, I not with Dybala, not with Higuain. No, no, I don't think so. I think Argentina, besides the fact that they had a really tough time in qualifying, needed to qualify on the last day. I just feel that they're. Their forwards just don't have a good cohesion. We saw that in 2014 in the World Cup. Higuain didn't really do much for the entire tournament. He scored that one goal against Belgium in the quarterfinal. Messi was really carrying the team on his back. And I just think that there's just too many players that play very similar. You know, Aguero is just a faster version of Higuain. And uh, Paulo Dybala plays sort of a similar style to Angel Di Maria. So you're going to have a lot of players on the bench that play similar styles that are going to be left off but also there's just a lack of a midfield I mean right now their midfield is Mascherano would probably be the holding midfielder and then the two midfielders would be Biglia and Banega so I think the lack the lackluster midfield for Argentina is going to cost them a lot I still don't believe that they played well enough in 2014 to have made the final they really lucked out with those one nothing wins and with some penalties against the Netherlands and after Germany beat Brazil the way they did 7-1 in the semifinal I thought Germany deserved that trophy and they won it so I just don't feel the midfield for Argentina is enough for them to see themselves as the champions I think the best they can do is probably quarterfinals I just don't see them getting to the semis Mm, that might be fair you know I I think they have since that aging back line it's basically the same back line that they had in 2014 it's four years older 
you know, not a lot of pace. They could get exploited by some of the better teams. They should make it out of the group, but we'll see. But, you know, I, I, I'm kind of lackluster on this Argentina team too. But that X factor of Messi, he's really, really good. And if you, even if he's carrying the team by himself, he could really take you far. All right, so let's move on to some dark horse candidates. Why don't you give me one or two teams you think could be potential dark horses? Maybe they can make a run to the semifinals, or maybe they could even win it. Who, who knows? Just what do you think? So I think a dark horse to win, you have to say Belgium because of their team, but I just don't think Belgium will win. Dark horses to to make a run in the tournament, get to probably the semifinals or the or probably the semifinals. Croatia is my number one dark horse. I think their midfield is spectacular with Modric and Rakitic and Brozovic and Perisic. Spectacular team in Croatia. I think they could win Group D. Uh, we saw them do really well in their group at the European Championships. They actually won their group over Spain. Then they lost to Portugal in the round of 16 in one of the most boring games I think I've ever seen in a European Championship. But Croatia is one of my dark horses to get to the to semifinals. And the other one, I'd say probably Colombia, just because they played really well in 2014 and they're bringing a lot of the same players back but they're also bringing Radamel Falcao who did not play in Brazil and four years ago Falcao was you know he was the talk of the town he was the big cheese he was one of the best strikers in the world now he's 32 he's their leader their captain Hamas Rodriguez now having played for Real Madrid and Bayern Munich between his golden boot run in 2014 and now playing as the number 10 man for Colombia Juan Cuadrado they're adding Jose Izquierdo from Brighton he had a great season a goal in five caps he's uh, young 25 but he could have a really good tournament so i think colombia could maybe make a dark horse run if they finish first in their group then they probably will play england and i think they can get to the quarters then but a colombia belgium uh, round of 16 match would be really exciting so i'll say croatia colombia now, those are good picks. I, I don't, I'm not as high on Croatia as you are, but I am as high on Colombia as you are. They're also one of my dark horses, but that's no fun to pick the same team. So my, ta- my two dark horses are Uruguay. I think Uruguay is going to do really is going to do something really special at this World Cup, and I think so because this team is starting to remind me a lot of that 2010 team in South Africa that was built around their three attackers or two attackers, and they had a super solid defense, and that was all they needed. It didn't matter who was in the midfield. All they needed were terriers in the midfield who would get the ball back and get that ball right up the field so that they could score their one or two goals and move on. I think this Uruguayan team, they have two of the best strikers in the world in Luis Suarez and Edison Cavani. They have a perfect relationship on the pitch. Cavani loves to stretch the field while Suarez loves to find that space in between. They're going to be a terror for most center back pairings in this World Cup. And they're a horrible matchup for both Portugal and Spain, who are going to be their round of 16 opponents, potentially. I think Uruguay could really make a run to the quarterfinals, or I think they could genuinely make a run to the semifinals. I really wouldn't be shocked if Suarez, well, we'll get, a, we'll get to the golden boot later, but you know, I really think that there's a chance for him to really announce himself on the tournament stage and not in infamy, not with a hand of God defensive edition or uh, with a biting incident. I think he could really make this tournament his own. He's going to be playing in a system that depends on him to score the goals, to create the goals. I'm very excited for this Uruguayan team. I think they're, they have the kind of alchemy that's ready to win this World Cup. And you know what? Or get to the semifinals at least. And you know what? For my other Dark Horse pick, I'm going to go for it. I don't care. I don't care if I'm laughed at. I'm doing it. I think England could make the semifinals. I even think England could potentially make the the final if they get really lucky. Okay, yes, the England is a good team. They know what they're playing. They know their style. They First off, they're way more likely to make the semifinals in Croatia. That's a fact. But... England is good, man. They have they don't they know who they are. They're not going to try to be this golden generation that was trying to be 
Brazil from the 1970s. This is a team that's industrious, hardworking. They have a they have a real talismanic striker in Harry Kane. They have Raheem Sterling and Deli Alley as two kind of wide forwards attacking midfielders who are going to be able to find the space and exploit it. I think they're going to have some real confidence after playing Panama and Tunisia. They're going to play Belgium and they're not going to be they're not going to shrink. I think they're going to do it. They know how to play those players. They play them in the Premier League every weekend. I think England could really make a deep run in this tournament. I know that's crazy. I know they're going to disappoint me, but I I'm excited to be disappointed by this team because finally we're going into a tournament and it's not about oh man England ugh, they've disappointed us in the in, you know with this golden generation. It's about well let's see if these young guys can do something. This is a new era. This is, this is a new leaf. <laughs> it's the same story every tournament though with England. Every two years we see the squad and we're like oh they've got this new player. Oh they've got that new player. They could do okay and then they don't. Also there's no way England's making the semis when they probably would play Brazil or Germany in the quarterfinals if they finish first in their group. They'll probably play Brazil. If they finish second in their group and get by Poland or Colombia, then they're playing Germany. There's I think no they could be Germany. Getting to the I think, no, I think England cannot. can beat Germany. I think this German team is is ripe for disappointment this year. I think oh, there's been a lot of chatter. There's been the, there was that fight in the training ground. Sane being left off. There's something. There's some weird voodoo going on with that German team. I'm not sure what's going to happen with them. I believe in this England team. I think it's going to be very fun. They're going to be one of the more enjoyable teams to root for because they're going to be absolute underdogs and that's going to be the case when they play belgium that's going to be the play uh, the case when they play poland or even colombia because i'm not sure that those two teams are going to have pretty incredible tournaments in the group stage i think this england team could do really well that they're, they're my second dark horse my first dark horse would be colombia second would be uruguay and third would be england but you already picked colombia so i'm not going to cheat off you all right now let's go to i want to before we get into some you know golden boot things or golden balls Ori. As you and I both unfortunately know, the United States, they're not going to the World Cup. It's really sad. We've gone over this. We have not pro- fully processed it. I still kind of feel that I'm going to see them, but uh, it's hard for me to accept it. For the listeners out there, we have to figure out which team should we root for now that our country is not in this tournament. Now, I want to go at this in two ways. I want you to pick the team that you're rooting for. That's your number one that you're going to go for. Like, this is my team. I've planted my flag in this country. I'm going to eat their food. I'm ready to do it. And then I want you to give a team that's maybe under the radar, maybe a bigger underdog that you feel that people should root for. So give me your number one team. Uh, my team's Portugal this tournament. Um, I have Portuguese heritage from my family, but also Cristiano Ronaldo is my favorite footballer that I've seen play in my you know, early adult years, my favorite all-time footballer when I was a kid was Michael Owen because I tried to emulate my game off of him, short striker fast. Still my all-time favorite player. Cristiano Ronaldo is a very close second. So Portugal's my team. I rooted for them at the European Championships, mainly from Ronaldo. And, you know, I just, I love their story. And I like to see a new team win the World Cup. You know, I don't want to see Germany win it every time. I don't want to see Brazil win it every time. You know, that's why in 2010, I was excited to see Spain play Holland in the final because we knew that we were going to get an eighth country to finally win a world cup so the fact that i want a new team to win i would say portugal uh for a team under the radar to root for that is likable i think iceland is the obvious choice they're the upset team from the european championships they've got the amazing viking chant that they do they've never been to a world cup they're playing in a group where all the odds are stacked against them they're opening up the tournament against argentina playing croatia nigeria too 
And who knows, if they get by that group, they can play France, either get killed by them or maybe get an upset. So I would say Iceland is one of the teams to root for, and I think Egypt is another team that American fans could root for too because of Mohamed Salah. So if you want to have a star player on your team, go for Egypt. If you want to see a Cinderella and a team that's really likable and enjoyable to watch and enjoy their fans and their story, Iceland. I think those are two great choices. Although it's funny because my team that I'm, that's my number one team that I'm going to root for is your group B rival Spain. Now I'm rooting for Spain. I have cultural heritage from Spain. I've always loved this team. I've always loved La Liga. I think that uh, Spain has, as I mentioned earlier, they have an amazing collection, uh, collection of talent. I love their style of football. I love their kits. I think they're always a fun team to root for. I'm very excited for the Spanish team. I'm very excited for our game on June 15th. Uh, that's going to be a fun one. I don't think we're going to be able to talk to each other after that, uh, depending on their results. But <laughs> We'll see what happens. We'll yeah. see what happens. But it's. I'm very excited for the Spanish team. I think they could actually win this World Cup. Um, I'm, I didn't exactly feel that way in 2014 because I thought they were older, and I, I just felt that it was not going to work out for them. I didn't expect them to get out of the group stage, uh, to get eliminated in the group stage, but... You know, I, I think this time around they have a really good chance to go very deep in this tournament. And a good tournament run may not be enough for me as a Spanish fan, but I, I'm hopeful that they can at least do better than 2014. Now, the other team that I think everybody should root for is not exactly an out-of-the-box pick, but I, I, I do think that people should really look into them, and that's Costa Rica. Now, Costa Rica is a CONCACAF team. Americans might not want to root for them because of how they dominated us in the hex and they kicked our butts every single time. But Costa Rica, they play a style of football that's most reminiscent of the United States back in 2010. Uh, They play really good defense, but they play with a lot of heart. And they play with the kind of intensity that most American fans used to see from their players uh, during, not the golden years, but during the time when soccer was really exploding in this country. And I think people are going to see that. And people, if you watch Costa Rica and you see their fans and you see how they're getting into it, I think they're really easy to fall in love with, and I really hope that they do really well in this tournament. I hope they can have a repeat of the quarterfinals again because it was a lot of fun seeing that team, and I really did feel that it was like watching the U.S. succeed. And I you know, I don't really like rooting for CONCACAF teams. I'm not exactly rooting for Mexico, although I don't blame anyone for doing so, and I'm definitely not rooting for Panama, as you, you would have probably noticed in our preview podcast. But I think Costa Rica, they have some of the best fans in the world. They have a great story. They may not be as flashy as Iceland, and they may not have a, may not have a star player like Mohamed Salah in Egypt, but I think the, just the collective will is really inspiring, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch them. Yeah, Costa Rica will be a fun team. I think it'll be interesting, but, uh, I mean, looking at these groups, there could be some lopsided uh, results, but either way. Yeah, but that's, no, you know what? That's no, like US US. Is a, no U.S. is a travesty. It's a travesty. No, it's, it's, a, it's a true sadness. I mean, there's there's been plenty of articles detailing how they failed, and honestly, like, we should have qualified regardless of all the institutional failures, and it's it's a... I wish Arena wasn't the coach. I wish Klinsman was fired sooner. I mean, it... There's just a lot of things that could have happened that could have helped this team make the tournament. But you know what? That's life. We have to live with it. Root for Portugal, root for Spain, root for Iceland, root for Egypt, and root for Costa Rica. Now, let's go into some of the more fun uh, prop betty of our kind of predictions. Now, let, Ori, who do you think is going to win the Golden Boot this year? So, taking a look at the, the group stages now, of course, 2014 was a bit of a fluke Golden Boot because you rarely see someone win the Golden Boot from a team that doesn't make the semifinals. James Rodriguez won it last time. But I'm looking at the way the group stages are set up and potentially teams getting a little bit further. I could I would say that Romelu Lukaku could win the Golden Boot, and here's why. 
Belgium is playing Panama and Tunisia. They could score 9 to 10 goals in just those two games. And Romelu Lukaku could have himself a World Cup hat trick in the opening game against Panama. It's very possible. So I would hedge my bets on someone from Belgium winning the Golden Boot. And to look at their top goal scorer, it would be Romelu Lukaku. So I think Lukaku can win the Golden Boot. If we're talking about a team that can go really, really far and win the Golden Boot, you're looking at Antoine Griezmann, who won it in Euros. Maybe Thomas Muller again, who did it in 2010. Muller now six goals away from tying Klosa. And he's scored five goals in each of his two World Cups he's played in. So he's obviously a candidate and maybe Neymar, Gabriel Jesus, but I'll go with Lukaku. I think that's a great choice. I mean, he his odds are 16-1, which is great. Griezmann is 9-1. to um, Clearly, uh, you know, Lukaku is in a very easy group where he can get at least a brace in each game, even against England. So, I mean, that's a pretty good choice. I'm going to go with Luis Suarez, who has a 20-1 to odds, and I'm going to say that because he's also in an easy group. He also is going to be able to score, like, score at will against some of these other teams. And I think that... If my pick that Uruguay could go deep into this tournament, into the semifinals, I think it's going to have to come from Luis Suarez. And Luis Suarez is going to have to be able to be the one to score the goals that gets them through. He could be the one of like three goal scorers from Uruguay and they can get to the semifinals. He can get eight to nine goals because they need him to score. So I'd be very, I, I think that he's going to have to carry the team. He could be a game changer like Diego Forlan was in 2010 when he won the Golden Boot. Uh, you know, that I mean, that's what it is with Uruguayan football. If they're ever going to do anything really well in a tournament, they need their strikers to be on their game and basically win the golden boot so that they can do anything, and I think they will this year. Um, another sneaky pick, and I, I do... You, you, you mentioned this with Lukaku. He's in an easy group. I think Harry Kane is a good option for golden boot. Now, that England may not make it to the... You know, make it that far in the tournament, obviously, uh, even though I'm very optimistic about them. But Harry Kane is their main goal threat, and the game, their team revolves around Harry Kane's ability in the box, his ability to link up play. He's going to be the guy that's the focal point, and they're going to try to get the ball to Harry Kane. So I really wouldn't be shocked if he comes out of the group stage with the most goals already. Like, he may have... He could score a hat trick against Panama or Tunisia, and then he can get like a couple goals, like one against Tunisia and then one against Belgium to win that match. I mean, you never know. I think Harry Kane is a is a player to watch for as a Golden Boot candidate, and if he does well, then England's going to do well at this tournament, obviously. So I think that's really good. Uh, I think those are some good picks though with Lukaku. Now, what about the Golden Ball? Who do you think is going to win the Golden Ball for best player? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I still I don't know how Messi won the Golden Ball in 2014. I did not think he was the best player in the tournament. That, I thought that it was a gone pity to pick. <laughs> yeah, I thought they should it should have gone to Cruz or Neuer. Um, so Golden Ball, if we're looking at teams, Golden Ball is a team that probably gets to the final at least, unless someone has a miraculous tournament. Like if Lukaku scores 12 goals in five games, he'll win. But I'm looking at Antoine Griezmann from France. I think he could win the Golden Ball, maybe even uh, Paul Pogba. If Pogba can attack and get some assists and some goals, I think Pogba's a good candidate for Golden Ball. Uh, someone from Germany, I think Tony Cruz, Thomas Muller, probably big Golden Ball candidates. It usually goes to a midfielder or a um, or a striker. It has gone to a keeper before a couple times. Oliver Kahn wanted in 2002, but that's because he basically didn't concede any goals. I think he conceded three the entire tournament, two of which were in the final against Brazilian Ronaldo. Um, so I would say my favorites are probably from France and Germany. And then if Brazil gets really far, then obviously Neymar. But I think either way, we'll get a striker or a midfielder winning it. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I was going to pick Isco because his odds are pretty good. They're 20 to 1. And I also think that if Spain's going to do anything at this tournament, the Spanish national team is now kind of built around him. And if he's playing really well, then the whole team is playing unbelievably well. So he had a lot of goals in qualification. 
the he had a lot of assists. He's really the thing that kind of makes the team tick in the final third. So we'll see if he does it. I also like the Neymar pick. I think if Brazil wins this tournament, Neymar should win the Golden Ball because obviously, unless he gets hurt, but obviously he's the guy that's going to make that team work. Uh, work. He's going to score a lot of goals. He might even win the Golden Boot. Who knows? I mean, he had four goals in the uh, in 2014, and he didn't even play in the last two games of his team's uh, tournament run. So. You know, it's kind of interesting. We'll see if uh, Neymar can have kind of a bounce back. But uh, all right, so before we go, we're going to have a break in a little bit. Before we have our break, I want to ask you, we've seen the group stages. There's a lot of teams. We've previewed all the teams. Why don't you give me three games in the group stages to watch for, uh, for people to watch for? So now this is serious. I am going to write an article for the top flight talking about the seven group games to watch for. But here's three to point out. Not a joke. Panama and Tunisia. I knew it. I think, I think Panama and Tunisia is going to be a good game because in previous World Cups, we've seen top teams play in their last group games having already won their first two, and it's a snore. Two big examples, 2006, Holland played Argentina, snooze, worst game ever. Then on the other game that was happening, Ivory Coast come back to beat Serbia and Montenegro 3-2. 2010, Brazil played Portugal in their last group game, also was a, a also sucked, 0-0. Panama-Tunisia, they're going to play with nothing to lose for. It's going to be a hell of a game. So Panama-Tunisia, I think Argentina and Iceland is going to be an awesome game. Uh, most of the games in Group D are going to be fun, but I think that Argentina-Iceland game is really going to set the tone for that group, being that it is in the group of death. And then another game. I don't think Portugal and Spain is going to be super interesting. Those two teams are very defensive, and usually those games end with very little goals. Um, I think that Denmark and France could be a fun game. I do think that both of those teams will have six points by then, but I think both can uh, score some goals. So Denmark and France will be fun also because you've got the Tottenham connection, Hugo Lloris and Christian Eriksen playing against each other. So those are my three. Panama-Tunisia, though. I'm saying good. it's going to be a great game. Panama-Tunisia. You're insane. That, that game's going to stink. But you know what? More power to you to believe that Tunisia and Panama is going to be a fun game. I mean, it's never, yeah, it's have, never the, fun to watch proof. Panama. But I have the proof that it could happen. <laughs> it's never fun to watch Panama. There's never been a game where it's like, oh, you know what? I'm watching Panama right now. There's so much fun to watch. Never. That's never been said on any platform at all. Not even Panamanian fans like watching their team play. All right, so I'll pick my three games. I think, uh, I think one of the top games of this tournament is going to be Mexico versus Sweden. Uh, that's the final group game. Mexico's tournament may hinge on that final match for second place against Sweden. Um, depending on how the results go in the other games, I think you're going to see a lot of tense fans in this in the United States uh, when it comes to Mexico in this tournament, and you're going to see them extremely tense when they play against Sweden. Uh, we'll see what happens in that. I think I don't know who's going to win that game per se, but it's going to be really fun because you're going to find a team that's probably going to be attacking in Mexico, and you're going to find a team in Sweden that's defending, and it's going to kind of look like a five-a-side game, but it's still going to be a lot of fun because Mexico's going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at them. Um, two other games that I want to I want people to ha- look at, I think. Colombia, Senegal is going to be supremely exciting. Uh, these are attacking teams with strong midfielders that are going to, you know, like you have James, Mane, Falcao, Cuadrado, uh, Keita Baldadilla. Like, I mean, th- this is a lot of attacking talent on the field. And it reminds me of in 2014 when the Ivory Coast, which had Gervinho and Drogba and, and the, you know, Torre brothers, they had a lot of attacking talent too. And they played against Colombia and it was a 3-1, but it was a really exciting 3-1 game. Uh, Colombia scored a lot of goals and, you know, the Ivory Coast, they got an amazing goal from Gervinho uh, near the end of the match. It was a really fun game. And I think we could get a repeat of that in this tournament. And then the last one, I think you picked 
uh, Iceland versus Argentina. I'm going to go with the other two teams, Nigeria versus Croatia. I think that's going to be really fun because you're going to find this Croatian team that's going to try to maintain possession. They're going to try to break down the Nigerian defense. They're likely going to, but then you're going to have these incredibly pacey, these incredibly skilled Nigerian players going at these kind of weaker, slower defenders in Croatia, and we might get a very entertaining kind of 2-2 draw or a 3-2 win from either team. I don't even know who would win that. Uh, I just think it's going to be extremely entertaining because you're going to find two teams that are defensively both weak but offensively really uh, talented. So it's going to be really fun. All right, so we're going to take another break, but when we come back, we're going to reveal the top flight bracket for the 2018 World Cup. All right, welcome back. Let's go over this bracket. Now, this bracket does not necessarily reflect our own personal thoughts of how the tournament is going to go down. This is the official top flight bracket for our website, thetopflight.com. Check out some of our stories. We have some really good writers on there. Uh, What that means is that we have one bracket to make our picks. If we don't agree on a pick, we can argue argue our points to convince the other. But if that doesn't work, we're going to do a coin flip and move on. Now, if people want to see our personal brackets, you can find it on our Twitter pages. You can follow me at Bailey's Esteban. And Ori, why don't you tell everybody your, your Twitter handle? Yeah, I'm at uh, obenatar512. Mostly Cavs tweets now. Uh, maybe by... <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, time of recording, it's down uh, 03. And by the time this comes out, I really hope it's not over. But it probably will be. Yeah. But uh, th- there's going to be Just plenty of Just in time for the there. tournament, though. Yeah, just in time for the tournament. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry yeah. about that, bud. All right, let's move on to the let's go with the bracket now. We're gonna start in group A. Ori, who are your top two teams to come out of group A? So I've got Uruguay finishing in first. Uh, I think they'll have nine points. I think they'll win all three of their games. I've got Egypt coming in second, Russia third, Saudi Arabia fourth. I think Saudi Arabia finishes maybe with a point, maybe get a draw against Egypt. But Uruguay, Egypt are coming out of group A for me. So I have I'm I agree with you. I think Uruguay, Egypt. However, I do want to mention Salah is not entirely healthy. He might not play until the second game against Russia. Uh, you never know what could happen. Maybe Russia gets some decisions to go their way. We know FIFA is not exactly the most uh, transparent organization. I, it could be possible that Russia gets to the second round, but I agree with you. Let's move on. It's Uruguay and Egypt. They're going to be the top two teams in Group A. All right, Group B, who, who you got? I got Spain first. Easy there. I think they'll probably... I've, I've got a tie for Spain and Portugal. I think that'll end in a draw, but I think Spain will beat Iran and Morocco. Portugal obviously finishing in second. Give me Morocco in third, Iran in fourth. Too bad about Iran. They have some interesting players. And too bad about Morocco. That's probably the best African team at this tournament. And I think they could push Portugal, but I agree with you. Spain in first, Portugal in second. Wow, no disagreements yet. I wonder when that's going to change. Um, <laughs> Group C, who do you got? Group C, I've got France finishing perfect. Give me nine points for France. Um, a lot of people are saying Peru to finish second. I just don't feel Peru has uh, enough talent to finish second in this group. I've got Denmark finishing in second. I think they're going to have a, a good game against Peru. I think they'll win big against Australia. I've got uh, Peru finishing in third, and I think Peru will get a win against Australia. I think Australia finishes last with uh, zero points. So give me France and Denmark. Yes, we have our first disagreement. I'm absolutely on the Peru train. I think Peru especially with Paulo Guerrero and their extremely aggressive defense, they're going to beat Australia, and I think they're either going to beat Denmark 2-1 or they're going to draw with them and just get enough points, and Denmark's going to get their butts kicked by France and Peru's going to move on and uh, goal difference. So, all right, see, I'm yeah. going to try to convince you, okay? Let's, let's, let okay. Me go, I'm going to give you the points. Peru, this is, this is basically the only point I need. Denmark beat Ireland to make it to the World Cup. 
Peru basically beat Chile to make the World Cup. They pipped them. Peru has an incredible defense. Oh. Talis Malik's a, ta- a very good striker who can score goals basically at will. We saw that in recent friendlies. He's really, really good in the box. And they have the wide players in Jefferson Farfan and Andre Carrillo to get him, get the ball in the box. And you know what? They just don't concede. They're really tough. Ecuador couldn't score against them. Chile couldn't score against them. Brazil's had tough times against them. Against them. Peru eliminated Brazil in the Copa. I know it was slightly controversial, but they were still the team that eliminated them. This Peruvian team, this is their moment to do something special. And you got to look back to the 2010 World Cup when Paraguay was not expected to do anything, and they made it to the round of 16, and they won, and they made it to the quarterfinals and lost to Spain. South American teams, even the lower-level South American teams, they know who they are. They know how they want to play. They play with, I mean, they play with their hearts on their shoulders. I mean, they're so, they're so committed to the cause, way more than anything you're going to find in Denmark. And I think Peru is really going to surprise people at this World Cup. They may even get, like, they're going to play if they, you know, let's see how the bracket goes for us. But I think Peru has a chance to make it to the quarterfinals if things break their way. Hmm. Well, here's why. Okay. Here's my argument for Denmark. One, qualification results mean absolutely nothing for the tournament. We saw that two years ago. England finished perfect in Euro qualifying, and they lost to freaking Iceland. And they barely made it out of that group, which they should have finished first in with ease. My second argument is that squads can change immensely in a four-year span. And I look at this Denmark team, and I see Christian Eriksen, who has become such a key player for them. He has has improved his game from 2015 to when qualifying started around the world all the way up until now he isn't a game changing player and also you've got guys who have you know weren't even top players on their clubs and now they're great andres christensen is a very good defender for chelsea kasper schmeichel has a premier league title before he started before he even started qualifying with denmark winning it with leicester and you have kasper dolberg who's a very good striker on the bench and uh just a lot of simon kiar very experienced center back playing for sevilla now so a lot can change in a two-year span from when you start qualifying in Europe until you get there. Yusuf Poulsen helped Red Bull Leipzig finish second in the Bundesliga. So I think the change and the maturity and the improvement of all of the Danish players is going to make the difference in this group for them. And I just think Christian Eriksen is going to have two good games against Peru and Australia. That's why I have Denmark finishing second. All right, we've hit a impasse. Here we go. We're going to have to flip a coin because there's no way I'm, I'm moving past my Peru pick. All right, pick your, you get to pick. Heads or tails? I'll take tails. All right, we're flipping it, and oh, my God. It's heads. Ah, It's heads. Peru moves on. Fine. I mean, if there's any other team I'd pick to get out of the group, it'd be Peru. Australia is the only team. Yeah, Australia has no chance. I feel bad for them. No chance. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but, you know, hopefully the Australians can at least put do a showing, and maybe Tim Cahill can score another goal also. That'd be awesome. Yeah, give me Tim Cahill. I want a Tim Cahill goal. I'll root for that. That'll be fun. All right, let's move on to Group D. Who do you got coming out of that? Well, my biggest surprise, one of my biggest surprises for the group stage, I've got Croatia finishing in first, just like they did in 2016 in their group at the European Championships. So I got Croatia first. I think they will beat Argentina in that second group game. I do think Argentina will finish second. I think they are going to beat Iceland, and I think they are going to beat Nigeria. Uh, Give me Iceland in third. I think Iceland maybe picks up a draw or a win against Nigeria. I think Nigeria finishes in last, but that's going to be the the most fun and the toughest group of this tournament. But Croatia's coming in first. So I love the pick. I think it's awesome that you pick Croatia. I can't disagree with you more, but I love the pick. I think for me, I'm picking Argentina to come in first just because I think the attacking talent is something that Iceland has never faced. Nigeria, you know, they're kind of inconsistent. And Croatia, 
there are they are born to screw up at major tournaments. They've done it in 2014. They didn't really do that well in 2016. I mean, I know they beat Spain, but w- whatever. They, they did not do as well as they should have. And I think at this tournament, we're going to get the same. There's too much controversy around them. So I'm picking Nigeria to come in second. I think it's going to be Argentina and Nigeria. I think Nigeria has... Yeah, I think Nigeria has the potential to do something really special at this tournament. And I think even though they haven't had a great time of it uh, qualifying for this tournament, well, not qualifying, but for the friendlies getting into the tournament, I still think that Nigeria has the Premier League pedigree and talent and the flair. And also, they remind me of a team that goes to the World Series that just they don't know that they are supposed to lose. They are too young. They're too young and dumb to know that they're supposed to lose. And I think that's going to really help this Nigerian team. Now, I'm fully prepared to be wrong, but... I think Nigeria could come in second. Now, let's see how we figure this out. All right, so you pick Croatia. I pick Argentina to come in first. Well, I'd, I'd say since we both have Argentina, I'm fine putting Argentina in first. Okay, well, since then we both have we'll, Argentina. we'll put Argentina in first. Now, you're not going to waver on Croatia coming in second or you know no, getting out of this no, I got No, I got Croatia finishing in second. Mm-hmm. My reasoning is, is that you have two of the best midfielders in the world, Luka Modric and Ivan Rakitic, plus Ivan Perisic plays really well. And yes, Croatia fumbles at major tournaments, but they only do it in the knockout stage. In the group stage, they are all, they always play great. At Euro 2008, they finished perfect in their group, including a win against Germany, who eventually made the final of that tournament. Euro 2016, they won in the group stage. They have not played well in the group stage at the last couple World Cups they've played in, yes, but I think this is their chance. They're playing an Iceland team that they're very familiar with, who they've played in quality qualifying for the last two World Cup qualification runs. Nigeria is very good, and I w- and Nigeria will be a team that uh, I definitely would be interested in seeing make it to the round of 16, but I just think they're a little bit too young, and I think their midfield is lacking in pace. I think the midfield battle between Croatia and Nigeria, Luka Modric is going to have a field day against that midfield and probably against that Nigerian defense, which is uh, slightly weaker than Croatia's defense. So that's my reasoning, and I think also Croatia has just more of a collective unit and more of a complete team than Argentina and I think that's why Croatia will win that game. So you've almost convinced me. The only issue that I have is that you did mention that Croatia and Iceland have familiarity with each other but Iceland beat them in qualification. They, Iceland was able to get to pit right, them in yeah, first, first place yeah. and that's why mm. when I'm picking my my four it would be Argentina, Nigeria, Iceland and Croatia coming in with Croatia coming in oh, last. Croatia coming in last. Yeah wow. yeah but, but you know what here's the thing let's go you have no you don't think Iceland can get out of this group I don't think Iceland can get out of this group I think Nigeria, Croatia for that second spot is a total, it's a, it's a coin flip. So we're going to have to pick. All right. You picked tails last time. You want to stick with tails? I'm going to stick with tails. All right. Let's flip it. Oh, and it's tails. Ah, All right. Darn it. Give me Croatia. All right. Croatia moves on. Good for you. I'm sad because I really want the Super Eagles team to make it's it. It's fine. You got Peru. You got Peru. I got Peru. Well, I prefer Nigeria, but still, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> All right. All right. Let's move on to group E. Ooh, All right. That's a fun one. Brazil, nine points. Yep. I think we're going to see a lot of teams get nine points in this uh, in this World Cup group stage. Uh, there's a lot of groups for me that are just clear and cut. Brazil finishes first. I've got Switzerland in second. I think they're really talented, and I think they're going to have a big win against Costa Rica. I do think that Serbia is going to finish in third, though, over Costa Rica, because I think Costa Rica is going to lose to both Switzerland and Brazil. So Brazil, Switzerland. I'm not going with Switzerland in second. I actually think Switzerland is one of the most overrated teams at this tournament. I do not like Shakiri that much. I think Granit Xhaka, as an Arsenal fan, is a 
waste. He's horrible, and he plays better for the national team. However, he cannot defend, and he's a defensive midfielder. It's really annoying, and he's not Busquets with his passing either. I think Switzerland is going to have a shocking tournament, to be honest with you. I think Serbia and Costa Rica might beat them. Uh, I think Switzerland might come in last place. Um, I think the real battle for second is going to be Costa Rica versus Serbia. Serbia has a ton of secret talent. It's really weird because even though they play in a defensive style, they have a lot of interesting attackers in Mitrovic and uh, Savic. Like, they're really good players. However, I'm going for it. I'm picking Costa Rica to get out of this group. I had, yeah, I had a feeling. Yeah, yeah, I'm going with it because I think they are the Americans of this tournament. They're going to surprise people again. I think they're going to get out of this group. I don't think Switzerland is going to be able to break them down. I think Costa Rica is going to have a tough game against Brazil, but they're going to play really well. And I think that Costa Rica is going to beat Serbia. I think they're going to win one nothing or maybe 2-1 with a, you know, a late goal in the 80th minute or something. So I'm picking Costa Rica. They have the heart. They have the grit. That's what you need when you play in a World Cup, and I think they're going to do it. Yeah, to, you know what? To avoid another coin flip, I'll, 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 we'll put Costa Rica in second. I mean, I'm looking at their team. They're basically bringing the same team they brought with them to Brazil and I do still think that Switzerland will finish in second, but I just mix it up a little bit. We'll go with Costa Rica because uh, I have mostly South American European. So let's go with Costa Rica. Yeah, let's get some CONCACAF in there. I think the next one we're also going to have CONCACAF. But we have Germany in Group F with Mexico, Sweden, and Korea. What do you think? No CONCACAF for me. Oh. I've got Mexico in third. This is my. This is probably my biggest shocker in the in the group stage. Mexico is going to come in third. Germany is going to come in first. Sweden is going to come in second. You, I think a lot yeah. a lot of people should think about the Swedish team and say they played really well against the top teams in qualifying and sure I've said qualifying doesn't matter that much, but I think defensively this team is super organized with Lustig and Lindelof and Gronkvist and since Latan has left Sweden, they've actually been playing better. And you know, they're they're going to be looking at Marcus Berg and John Gedetti and maybe even a, a little bit of uh, Ola Toivonen to score some goals for them. But I think Sweden comes in second. I think that Mexico has just had a really tough run in their last couple of tournaments with their number one team. I, I just I don't see it from Mexico. And I got South Korea obviously finishing last. But give me Germany and Sweden in Group F. You know what? You know what's funny? I'm agreeing with you. I in my own yeah. personal bracket, I would pick Mexico. But you know what? I agree with you. I don't feel that great about this Mexican team. I want them to do well, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be a really tough tournament. I think Mexican fans are a little worried about this tournament, and they're specifically worried about Sweden. And that final group game might put Mexico in a position where they need to win. And Sweden, as we have seen, they don't let you win when you need to win. So I'm agreeing with you. Germany in first place and Sweden in second place. That's that's that. We'll see what happens in the round of 16. But I feel bad for Mexico, but say lovey. All right, let's move on to Group G. This should be easy. Okay, easy. Belgium, England, Tunisia, Panama. Panama's going to finish as the worst team in the tournament. Agreed. They might score two. They might score two goals in that thrilling match against Tunisia. Again, it's going to be <laughs> thrilling. But I think Belgium is going to win the group easily. England comes in second. No, no problem. I would love to get England in first, but you know what? Honestly, for the sake of the tournament, for England's tournament, I hope they come in second uh, because clearly if they get, they would rather play Germany than they would play Brazil. So I'm picking Belgium, England as well. All right, Group H, this is the toughest group for me, uh, more than Group D, because all these teams are pretty well balanced and it could go either way. I think you're going to be kind of shocked with my uh, picks, but go, go for it. Pick your top two. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of been wrestling with who um, who I want to finish first between, I think, Poland and Colombia. I would love to see Senegal get out of the group. I just think that Poland and Colombia have a little more. But I think based on Poland's defense, I'll go with Poland to finish in first. I've got Colombia in second, Senegal third, Japan fourth. So I have Colombia first, and I have Senegal coming in second. 
I don't think Poland's going to get out of the group. Mm. Now, we discussed this on our preview of Poland. I don't rate Poland very highly because it is a Lewandowski team. Now, a Lewandowski team. Now, I know that there's other attacking talent, and they play for Napoli, and I know they're good defensively, but their midfield is Gregor Kachoyak. He's playing as their... He's defensive midfielder, but he's wearing the number 10 jersey. He's going to be an important part of this team, and he was on West Brom, and they got relegated. That is going to get killed by... I mean, I know Senegal doesn't have exactly the best midfielders in the world. They're Premier League players, too. And, I mean, you have Idrissa Gay, and you have Ndaya and Kuyate. And, I mean, Senegal has a really tough midfield that's going to be tough to counterattack against them. And then they have players like Mane. They have players like Kete Baltadia. They also have Diouf. They also have Sako. They have these players that are Premier League regulars. They may not score a ton of goals in the league, but they're very physical. They're very pacey. They have a lot of skill, and they could surprise teams. Plus, they have Koulibaly in defense. I mean, they have a very strong team from top to bottom, a lot of talent. I think Senegal could actually surprise teams at this tournament and get a second place. And I think Colombia... First off, I think Colombia is one of the most talented teams in this tournament. I think James is going to be a super strong player. I think Falcao is actually going to is going to elevate this team beyond what it was in 2014. Whether that means that they can make the semifinals is irrelevant. It's just that he's going to raise the ceiling for this Colombia team. And I think Colombia is going to come out of this group in first place. Maybe not comfortably. I don't think any of these teams are, not even Japan. I think all these teams could come in first or second. And I just think that when it comes to goal difference, Colombia is going to get the first place. And I think Senegal, I think Senegal is going to score more goals than Poland. I think they're going to be able to get past them. Okay, so we'll put Colombia in first. I still, I'm not going to. You're not going to waver up on, on Poland. Poland. No, right. because I think I think that Poland is organized defensively, and the difference between them and every other team in this group is they have a goal, a really good goalkeeper. David Ospina is really good for Colombia, but. Senegal's goalie is Abdoulaye Diallo, 16 caps, 26-year-old, playing for Rennes in France. Not bad, but he's not Chesney or even Fabianski. Probably going to be Chesney in goal. Chesney has improved at Juventus a little bit. He's going to be the next starter after Buffon left. And I also think that Poland, attacking-wise, is going to do really well against Senegal, especially with uh, Arkadiusz Milik playing against his teammate, uh, Khalidou Koulibaly, he's going to know how he wants to defend. He's going to run by him and all that. And I think the midfield battle, Poland will win it. I think Krakowiak and Blazikowski are very underrated. They're v- Krakowiak is a very good midfielder. He played really well at the European Championships. Remember, Poland did not concede a goal in the tournament, I believe, until Renato Sanchez's bullet in the quarterfinal um, against Portugal at the European Championships. They had a nil-nil draw against Germany at the European Championships. Uh, that No, they conceded two goals. Shakiri's bicycle kick in the round of 16 for Switzerland. So I'm not letting up on Poland because I really do think that they are they're a better number one seed than uh, maybe, well, Russia, obviously. They're probably the weakest of the number one. Yeah, probably the weakest of the number one seeds, but... I feel like you're I making my po- argument for me. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. I, I, I like Poland. I like Lewandowski. I think he's a bigger difference maker than Sadio Mane, and I just think Poland's defensive organization and midfield is enough to beat Senegal, which they are playing them in their opening game. So I got Poland. And we're going to have to flip it because I, I, I think Senegal is going to surprise people just like they did in 2002. All right, so are you picking ha- heads or tails for... Uh... Um... I'll go with heads this time. All right, heads. This is for Poland to come in second, as we agree that Colombia will come in first. And flipping. And... Oh, my God, it's tails! Yes! Man, Senegal. Senegal. All right, we got an, Afri- we got an African team in there. That's good. All right, let's, uh, 
All right, we got, yeah, because we didn't get Nigeria, so I guess that's uh, karma. All right, let's move on, finally, to the round of 16. First matchup, we have Uruguay against Portugal, the 1A versus 2B. What do you think about Ooh. that matchup? Suarez v. Ronaldo, I take Ronaldo. Take Ronaldo all day. Give me Portugal defensively. I think they're going to have a good good game against uh, Suarez and Cavani. That's if Suarez doesn't do something absolutely ridiculous in the group stage like he did in Brazil. Every World Cup Suarez has played in, he's done something crazy. 2010, the handball against Ghana. Genius. That was genius. And then, of course, he bit Chiellini in Brazil. So I think Suarez will be playing. I don't think we'll see anything crazy from him this time around. Maybe uh, some goals against Saudi Arabia. Maybe a three-goal or four-goal performance in that game. But I got Portugal. And you I got think Portugal. The champ championship experience that they have I'll, I'll take portugal i think that's really fair i do want to mention i'm going to agree with you even though in my own personal bracket i would not agree with you i just think that you're right about portugal's uh, championship experience they clearly know how to win knockout tournaments they're gonna i do think it's a bad matchup for them to play uruguay because they have aging uh center backs in fonts and uh pepe but cristiano ronaldo is the big x factor there you know, Uruguay is, you know, they're renowned for their heading ability in the box against, uh, you know, teams that are, you know, crossing it in there. But Ronaldo is the one striker in the world that can get past Godin and can get past Jimenez to score a goal. So I think you're right. Let's put Portugal into the quarterfinals. Now let's do the other side of the bracket, which is Spain. They're, uh, they're going to be playing against uh, Egypt. Spain. Spain. No, no need to yeah. ex- no need to explain Spain. more Spain. I think it's going to be a closer game. Um, I think Spain will win one nothing, but I do think it's going to be in a heartbreaking fashion for Egypt. I think this team has heartbreak written all over them, uh, which is sad, but whatever. All right, let's go to France versus. We had Argentina first, and we had Croatia. Croatia. So France versus Croatia. Well, that's a delicious matchup. Well, in my personal bracket, I have Croatia making the quarters over Denmark, so France and Croatia are on their opposite sides. But France against Croatia has to be France. It has to be France. I agree with you. Just it's too much to not have uh, France there. I mean, they're going to be so good. Also, we're going to get a rematch of the Euros, which is going to be pretty interesting. Yep, Euro final rematch there, Portugal well, and France. Can't get ahead of ourselves, but we'll get there. So we have now the other side. We have Argentina versus Peru. That's a fun one. That's a fun one. In this in this scenario. I'll take Peru. I'm going with you, I'm, man. I agree with you. I think Peru, Peru could do it. I think they could upset I Argentina. Think Peru wins. I think, I it's think they win. Yeah, I think it's I, vengeance this, this, for the, yeah, the, the the 78 World Cup when uh, when Peru had to give when the Peru, Peruvians gave up like seven goals against Argentina to let them go to the next round, uh, and then it was reported that Argentina sent like 500 pounds of of wheat to the Peruvian government. So I think this is vengeance. I think Peru, if they play Argentina, Argentina better be scared out of their minds. So let's pick I, Peru. Yeah. Peru. Oh man, this is hilarious. All right, we have Brazil versus Sweden, a rematch of the 1958 final. Yeah, the one where Pele scored a brace and they won 5-2 in Stockholm. I just actually watched the Pele movie. It's okay. It's not the best uh, movie I've seen sports-wise or soccer-wise. Uh, it's, it's better than uh, Goal the Dream Begins, Santiago Munez. Hey, you know, th- that movie is a masterpiece. No, I'm joking. No, masterpiece, <laughs> yeah. No, Brazil beats Sweden. Yeah, I agree. You know, Sweden has never beaten Brazil in the World Cup, and they've played each other five times. So, wow. yeah, so Brazil, nah. I think Brazil's going to keep that streak going alive. All right, and on right. the other side, we have Germany versus Costa Rica. Ooh, Germany. Yeah, I think it'll be fun, but it'll be more, I think it'll be one nothing, kind of like when Germany beat the U.S. in 2014, one nothing, but that was in the group stage. But, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a fun game, but Costa Rica loses in the round of 16. All right, and finally, we have Belgium going first, and they're going to be playing against the second-place team, Senegal. 
Belgium. Belgium, yeah. Belgium, Belgium. Belgium should make it out of there. And then England versus Colombia. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been here and there with all my brackets and my picks of whether or not I'm picking England in the quarterfinals. It, I think England's tournament is going to be really dependent on what on what Harry Kane we see. Do we see the Harry Kane that we see for Spurs the last four years, or do we see the Harry Kane that was shanking corners and free kicks in France two summers ago? I think we'll see the goal-scoring Harry Kane because I think under Gareth Southgate, he'll actually get some direction and, you know, he'll know his role. I'll say England beats Colombia on not on penalties. They win an extra time. <laughs> that would be, if it goes to penalties, England loses. Um, but yes, I agree with you. I think England's going to make the quarterfinals, which will make up a pretty fun quarterfinals uh, bracket now because we have France versus Portugal, which is a rematch of the Euro 2016. Spain versus Peru, which is similar to when Spain played Paraguay in 2010. Germany versus England and Brazil versus... Rivalry. Yeah, that's a great rivalry. Rematch of 66, of 2010, of 1990. Uh, it's going to be pretty crazy. And then Brazil versus Belgium. So let's start with the first one, France versus Portugal. I think France gets revenge. I mean, the reason I thought France didn't win that final was mainly they just didn't have the subs at striker. I mean, you're putting Andre Pierre Gignac in the game, and he's hitting the post three times, and Rui Patricio was playing out of his mind in that game. So it was Pepe. But I think France gets revenge over Portugal this time. I got France in the semifinals. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think France gets to the semifinals. I think they, if they play Portugal, Portugal should pack their backs because France is going to come out there and try to whoop their ass. All right, so let's move on. Now we got Brazil versus Belgium. That will be a good game. The last time these two teams played in the World Cup, 2002, Brazil won in the round of 16 and Korea-Japan. I'm going to say Brazil makes it to the semis. I think that Neymar, if he's continuing to play really well, he's going to have a really, really good game. And I just don't think this Belgium team is quite ready yet to get by the quarterfinals. It would be the third straight tournament that they get knocked out of the quarterfinals. I've got Brazil in the semifinals. I have Brazil going to the semifinals. I think Belgium's worst nightmare is to play Brazil in the uh, tournament. That's their worst matchup because they don't have any wingbacks to defend against Douglas Costa, Neymar, and uh, William and Coutinho. I mean, Brazil is hoping to play Belgium of those six teams because no one can defend them on Belgium, which is going to be tough. But it'll be a fun game, but I think Brazil is going to kind of rip them apart. All right, before we get to England, before you try to rip out my heart, Spain versus Peru, it's a nice story, but Spain is going to make it through to the semifinals if that happens. Yep, yeah, I go with Spain, no question. Spain in the semifinals in that scenario. I mean, in my, I have Spain in the semifinals either way. Right now I have the same semifinals in my personal bracket as in this one. I mean, this one's very close to my personal bracket. Spain. Spain yeah, beats Peru. I'm, I'm, Sorry, yeah, Peru. Yeah, it was a fun story, though. Maybe they'll be the, the story of the tournament. Who knows? And then finally, the old rivalry, Germany versus England. Germany. England. Germany wins. England. No, no, no. No. Yogi Love has never not made the semifinals in a major tournament he has managed in. Germany has not missed the semifinals of a major tournament since 2004 at the European Championships when they were absolutely amazing. Or, no, when they absolutely were terrible. I don't know why I said amazing. Germany was terrible in that tournament. That was when uh, Czech Republic had Milan Baros and Pavel Nedved, and the Netherlands had Ruud van Nistelrooy and a young Arjen Robben and a young Wes... No, I don't think, think Wesley Schneider was on that team. But Germany's automatic semifinals. As automatic as the Patriots making the Super Bowl, as automatic as the Warriors making the finals, this is automatic. Germany in the semis. Records are meant to be broken. Germany is going to lose in the quarterfinals, whether that's to Belgium or to England. If Germany makes the quarterfinals, they will lose in this tournament because... 
This is not like any other tournament. There are some problems with that camp. There are some weird things that are coming out. And sure, they're Germans, you know? 11 players play the game, and then the Germans win. We all know the saying. However... I think there's. I think this is a tournament where Germany just falters and they lose, and it it doesn't make a whole rebuild. But clearly, I think this era of dominance is gonna end. I think at some point it has to end. And why not England? Why not? England has the talisman. They have the striker. They have the players. They have the midfield that can at least hold Germany. You can't take friendlies into account. If England makes the quarterfinals, they're gonna be playing with no pressure. They know that it's like okay, well nobody believes in us. Well, nobody believed in the in the Eagles, and the Eagles beat the Patriots. Okay, England can do this. England can totally beat Germany. I think I think Germany is going to lose in the quarterfinals this year. I think the only way England beats Germany is if their youngsters have are playing with the way they do it with their Premier League clubs. Specifically, if Trent Alexander Arnold is starting in the World Cup, then he needs to have the, the game of his life, the torment of his life. They need Raheem Sterling to play well, and you also need Deli Ali. I mean, the key factors for England to have a successful tournament, besides Harry Kane scoring goals, you need Sterling and you need Ali to perform. That's the only way that they have a good tournament. And England getting to the semifinals would be a huge upset. But I still think it's Germany, man. We can't beat Germany I, in the quarterfinals. I think he can. I think it's possible this year. I don't, I don't, maybe it won't be England. Maybe they'll play Belgium. Maybe they'll play Colombia. Who knows? But I do think that there's an upset brewing for Germany. I just feel it. I, I feel it in the waters. I don't know where. I don't know when. But it just feels like this is a tournament where Germany just, they just screw up at some point, And it's going to be super crazy. It's going to be the story of the tournament. And it happens. It's hard to win back-to-back. Even to make it to a semifinal, that's tough for teams. I mean, it didn't happen with Spain. It didn't happen with Italy. It didn't happen with France. I mean, it's tough. It's really tough. So we'll see what happens. But I guess we're going to have to flip it, pick it. Who are you going for? What heads or tails for Germany and England? Tails. Tails never fails. Tails never fails. All right, and it's heads. Yes, go England. Three lions. What? It's not happening. Oh God. Oh my My. goodness. All All right, right. John Patrick. John Patrick, if you're listening, are you happy? They're in the semis. Hey, I'm rooting for you, John. I got you. All right, so we have a great semifinal, even if Germany's not in it. We have. France versus Brazil, and we have Spain versus England. Well, that's that's a pretty good semifinal, don't you agree? There's not a lot of South Americans, only one, but that's pretty yeah. that's pretty fun. Now, oh yeah, let's do let's do the easy one. I'm not gonna fight you on this one. Spain versus England. Who do you got? Spain. I was I was for two seconds. I was like, oh no, I'll say England. No, Spain makes the final in that in that semifinal. In that semifinal, that's a great road for Spain. They don't have to play Argentina. Uh, yeah, Spain's road Spain's road's easy. Yeah, that's you know, crazy. If, if, if they play their cards, if they finish first place, and uh, even if Croatia plays Denmark in the round of 16, Spain has an easy road to the semifinals. Very easy. Yeah, this is some, but you know this is actually good to see because it, it's clear that Spain has a chance. And if if Uruguay Uruguay does not have as easy of a road as uh, other teams, and also Germany doesn't have an easy road, Argentina, etc. So it's pretty it's pretty interesting. But Spain is in the final now. This is the toughest one. I don't even know what to pick. I'm gonna have to think about this. But France, Brazil. This is a possible final. This is a possible semifinal. I mean, this this is a game that could happen. This is a rematch of 98. Who do you got winning this? France. I think France wins. I think that the difference, it's going to be a, a, an incredible semifinal. I think it's going to be a great, great game. These two teams match up really well. I just think that France's center backs can have the experience and the toughness to play really well against Gabriel Jesus. I'm looking at Rafael Varane and Samuel Umtiti, likely going to be the starting center backs for France. 
I think they're going to play really well against that Brazilian uh, def- Brazilian front line. And I think France wins that game, potentially in a penalty shootout. I'm going with France in the final. I want to pick Brazil, but you have convinced me because I do think that France, on a player-to-player level, can match up with Brazil. And I think Brazil is going to be kind of freaked out by the fact that they're going to be matching up with a team that's so talented as them. And they might get the the thoughts of you know Germany twenty of Germany kicking their butts in uh, 2014. So I'm gonna agree with you. I think France makes it to the final. France versus Spain. Now, not a lot of people have this final. This is what makes it the top flight uh, final. I'm gonna be writing an article about why, or you know, by this time you, you listen to this, there might be an article up about how I think Spain's gonna win the World Cup. And if it's Spain versus France. I'm picking Spain. I think the pedigree of winning the World Cup, and you still have players on that roster like Iniesta and Piqué and Ramos that have won the World Cup, is going to win the World Cup for Spain. Okay, here's how it's going to happen. So 2018, in the year in sports, has been the year of the backup. It started off with Alabama and Georgia. Their backup quarterback comes in for Jalen Hurts. Tua Tungavalo wins it in overtime. At the NCAA final, Villanova-Michigan in March Madness, Dante DiVincenzo, sixth man for Villanova, goes off. He wins the most outstanding player. Eagles beat the Patriots with their backup quarterback, Nick Foles. And Real Madrid beat Liverpool with Gareth Bale coming off the bench, scoring a bicycle kick, and then scoring a second goal, even though Loris Karius had a concussion. Still bitter about that. The final, France and Spain. I think it's going to end up being like the last two finals. It's going to go to extra time, nil-nil. It's going to be an extra time goal from a substitute. And that substitute will be Nabil Fakir. I got Nabil Fakir scoring the World Cup winning goal, all the Liverpool fans who have seen him, the rumors about him going to Liverpool are going to be going nuts. Naba Fakir scores the winning goal, and France wins their second World Cup. I Well, you forgot to mention J.R. Smith, but whatever. Well, I'll leave you be with that. Um, hey, 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 don't get personal. No, that that's not fair, man. No J.R. Smith. I'm, no, we should have won that game. That's a lot of, that's a lot of garbage. Yeah, I know. But, you know, that's, you know the, the, you're right. This is the year of the backup. And by that same logic, I can pick, because Spain also has depth, and there is a player that's on the bench that has scored in the most important situations throughout his entire young career, and that's Marco Asensio. Uh, because yep, he scored I saw that in the, coming. He, he scored in the Champions League final. He scored in the Spanish yeah, Super Cup. 3-1. He still scored. <laughs> he scores whenever it's important. He scores important goals. He scores golazos and important goals. He's an incredible player, and he's going to be an X-factor for the Spanish national team. He's the most direct player they have on this team. He's one of the best pure finishers. He can play on the wing. He's essentially, he's not there yet, but he's like, he's like a Spanish Ronaldo. He's really, really special, and he's very young and he's going to do really well at this tournament but if you're going to make the argument that's about a backup i think asensio is probably a better chance than um, nabil fekir i mean we saw it in you know france they have they they played well in the 98 uh final but in 2006 when they went to extra time they couldn't finish it off and it went to penalties spain they went to extra time with the netherlands and iniesta scored the game-winning goal it happens in the final spain knows the experience i think spain's going to win this world cup i think and if you you want to go with the backups Spain has the backups that's going to win this tournament for them. Well, but France does too. It's not just the goal-scoring backups. France could also bring in Blaise Matuidi, who might not even start, to really shore up the midfield. I think the difference in this game is that France has just a little bit more has pace in the midfield compared to Spain. Andres Iniesta, rarely, I rarely even see him sprint whenever he plays. That's what makes him so amazing. He can play, he can pass the ball and score goals without even breaking a sweat. Sergio Busquets is not that fast of a central midfielder, and that game I think is going to prove that N'Golo Conte is better than Sergio Busquets. But also, France have... 
I know, but France have goals have true goal scorers in their lineup. Spain have Diego Costa and Isco, who have been here and there in their careers. Diego Costa specifically has not played that well with the Spanish team. Sure, he scored some goals in qualifying, but that was in a group with Italy, who didn't make it to the tournament, Albania, and then uh, my Israeli team, who was terrible. <laughs> and uh, but France have France have true goal scorers that are proven. Olivier Giroud, I don't care what people say about him. He is a good player. No, he's a very good player. He's underrated. He is clutch. He is clutch. He scores goals in big moments. And Antoine Griezmann, he is one of the best attackers in the world. He played really well in the European Championships. And I think that's the difference. France are going to have the goal scorers to create the chances in that game. If it does go to extra time, I think France will have the momentum because they're going to have more shots. And then David De Gea is probably going to save them. I mean, just thinking about that final... It would be an amazing final. It really. Would. I think France have the. I think France have the edge. If they can win it in regulation, it's because they have pure goal scores. And if they can win it in extra time, it's because the defense is going to be all over them. Rafael Varane and Samuel Umtiti are going to be all over Spain because they have a lack of depth at striker. Marco Asensio is a good goal scorer in clutch moments, granted, and he is going to be a phenomenal player in his prime. But I think France has the edge in this game. I got France. All right, I, you're not going to convince me, but I do like those arguments. I think this French team obviously can win this final. I wouldn't be sad if France won it either, even though I am a Spanish fan. So let's just do it. Let's do our final coin flip to determine if, who the top lights bracket winner is. Right. If this is how they decided who win the World Cup, that would be it. Would be hilarious. <laughs> People well, that's would essentially go nuts. that's a, well, that's essentially a, a penalty kick shootout. So. It's essentially the same thing. Yeah, so essentially, if, if it went to PKs, I would say Spain would win because they have David de Gea. Well, it never matters on the goalkeeper, but they have actually for that. I would say they have Pepe Reina, who is one of the best penalty savers in the world. Also, oh, he's so the best backup. Do a Louis Van Gaal. No, no, no. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even think they do a Louis Van Gaal. It's just that he has the notes on every player, every attacking player's penalties, because that's what he does. That's what he did with Iker Casillas in 2010. That's something to watch out for. But all right, let's. The momentum is here. Let's do it. All right, pick it. Heads or tails? Heads. I'm going heads. Well, well, congratulations. The French, French national wins team. the World Cup. They win the World Cup. Unfortunate for me, but fair. It's the coin. You can't fight against it. They win the World Cup. France, my goodness. This is a top flight bracket. We have picked France to win the World Cup. That's not a bad pick. That's probably a better pick no, than Spain. I mean, so. The, the two most popular picks are probably going to be Germany and France. I would say Spain and Brazil are like tied for third in terms of the popularity of who's winning the World Cup. But I think we're going to see another European team. I, I don't think Brazil or Argentina are going to win the World Cup this year. I think Brazil have a chance, but I think the lack of experience, I think 2022 might be their time or even 2026 will be their time when uh, Gabriel Jesus and Roberto Firmino are really uh, up there as the top strikers in the world. They're close, but they're not there yet. I think we're going to get another European team. It would be the fourth straight World Cup a European nation has won it. And I think it's I think it's Germany or France. If I had to pick two teams that I think we're going to win the World Cup and I would hedge my bets on it, Germany or France are, are going to win the World Cup. And in this case, France does over Spain. Yep, I think that makes sense. So that's our bracket. Before we go, here's the schedule for our future podcasts. We'll be doing two podcasts a week during the group stage of the tournament. Uh, one on Thursday where, they, where we recap the week and then one on Sunday recapping the weekend. I'll be hosting the one on Sunday and Ori will be hosting the, uh, the one on Thursday. Uh, we'll also be back to discuss the first match of the tournament between Russia and Saudi Arabia. But uh, this was fun, Ori. You know, I'm very excited for this tournament. 
Yeah, I think uh, this is it. The preparations are done. The talk is over. We're ready to, to kick a ball in Russia. Some awesome stadiums. I think they have some of the coolest stadiums I've seen on the outside. You've had stadiums that hosted World Swimming Championships and Winter Olympics in Kazan and Sochi. Two stadiums in Moscow. Samara's got a spaceship stadium that looks really cool. So I'm excited for this World Cup. Sure, no United States. It's going to be weird, but... I'm sure we'll get some Cinderella teams that, that come up with some upsets. And it's probably teams that we're not even thinking about, like, you know, Morocco or even, uh, you know, we're thinking about Senegal, but Morocco or Australia or Russia. Don't know. But no matter what, it's a World Cup. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be the the month of the year. That's going to be the best month of the year. Can't wait. I, I can't agree with you more. All right. That's the Top Flight Podcast. I'm Esteban Bailey. That's Ori Benatar. We'll see you later. Enjoy the tournament.